Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? Sports interaction. You got to get in the game with sports interaction. Uh, you can bet live in-game or pre-game or all your favorite hockey matchups. It's going to be a fun one, and we want you to just have a little fun. Head over to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN, or you can download the app on the QR code. Just uh, snap a picture with it. Super easy. 19 plus. Please play response. This is Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wild. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Hey everyone, our guest this episode was literally literally raised in an NHL family. His father, Fred Shiro, played around 150 games in the NHL with the New York Rangers and later coached the Broad Street Bullies, the Philadelphia Flyers, in the 1970s to two consecutive Stanley Cups. He was the 216th overall pick by the LA Kings in the 1982 NHL Draft while playing college hockey at St. Lawrence University. He started off in the hockey industry as an agent, then moving into the front office of the Ottawa Senators, uh, and that's where um, we first met. After several years, he became assistant GM uh, of the Nashville, Nashville Predators, working closely with longtime GM David Poyle for about eight years. In 2006, he became the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, where he won the Stanley Cup in 2009. Uh, we all remember that game seven in Detroit at Joe Louis Arena. He was the GM of the New Jersey Devils from 2015 to 2020 and is currently working as a senior advisor to Minnesota Wild GM Bill Guerin. Let's give a big welcome to Ray, Ray Jean Shiro. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for my uh, real name as well, Ray Jean. My mom would be uh, very proud, very happy. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that uh, Rejan uh -huh. is your true uh, first name. Yes, that's it. My mom uh, was from Shawinigan, and uh, my father was from Winnipeg. But, um, yeah, so uh, the Rejan uh, name, I changed to Ray when I was, like, in fourth grade because no one in New Jersey, a uh, substitute teacher, is going to ever pronounce my name, and it was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Every time a substitute teacher and they're coming down to the S's, and I'm like, oh, God, and Regine or read this and next thing you know this uh, the one's like uh Regine, Re, Regine, is she here today i'm like oh god um <laughs> so i just said the mom I was in fourth grade i came home and said to my mom mom there's no way <laughs> i tried <laughs> so that was uh kind of informally changed to ray but um she would still call me ray john which was good and so do you sometimes so <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing I'm doing fantastic. Just here in uh, this is my second year. Uh, finished my second year with uh, Minnesota, and um, it's been great. Uh, obviously, with Billy Garam, we're actually in Minnesota this uh, this week for our pro meetings and next week amateur meetings here in Minnesota. So uh, it's a nice time to be in Minnesota. Beautiful weather. What do you remember about uh, your dad's coaching with the Flyers in the '70s uh, and the two consecutive cups? What do you remember about those years? Unfortunately, uh, I, I remember almost everything. Alan. I he was there for seven years, and um, I was nine to sixteen years old, and um, it was it was something. I'm very fortunate in that respect, and um, so you know, growing up around that, and I was you know, I was very lucky too. If I you know, I always wanted to go to practice, and you know, as long as you know, school always came first, and my mom and dad, and but anytime I wanted to go to practice, my dad you know, pop in, and so I always did. I love being around the rink, and 
um, you know, I, it's 71, 72 was his first year. And, yeah. um, you know, we were renting a house in Ballackinwood, um, Pennsylvania. I was in fourth grade. And that was the, the one year they did not make the playoffs. The first year they lost uh, with four seconds left the last game of the season. Um, if they had got one point against Buffalo and Buffalo, then they were in the playoffs. And with four seconds left, Jeremy and from the red line basically scored. And I was, I, I cried my eyes out and they missed the playoffs. And I walked to school the next day. I was in fourth grade and in this playground, this kid's like, Hey, sure. You old man at Favelle blew it. And I'm like, Jesus, that's my welcome to Philly moment. Fourth grade. I'm like, what the hell? You know, and uh, hey, it could have got a lot worse. <laughs> Lucky it got better. <laughs> so, but it was, uh, but I was, it was like even the, the two parades, you know, over 2 million people in 74, 75, I was so fortunate to remember almost anything about that. And, um, and not, you know, and even in 09 when Pittsburgh won, my kids are obviously, we're old enough, and which is uh, awesome and uh, incredible experience. And just a lot of the people that I, I met along the way, even growing up around the Flyers and, and before then, it's, um, you know, we kept in touch and, uh, it's been really a fun thing, and but uh, it's, it was growing up around that. I guess that's what I did. I grew up around that. It was no, it was uh, being around hockey. You know, growing up was just normal to me, and um, I never knew why it was such a big deal for kids to want to go to games with me. I'm like, okay, yeah, we had extra ticket. Come on, well, I guess it's a big deal. And to me, it was just the way it was, I guess. And uh, but I, I always appreciated it and look back at it, and you know, with incredible fondness and uh, and, and gratitude. Right, I got I got to say, um, uh, looking at uh, looking at pictures from the seventies because it unfortunately predates me. The one thing that really stands out about your dad is he seemed really cool. Like he had a great handlebar mustache. Seemed to wear really cool sunglasses. He had. He seems to have embodied that Flyers team from the seventies. Um, and, and how much? I mean, obviously you were a kid, but you know, looking back at it, how much was he that personality that sort of set the tone for the rest of the team? Uh, I think I, I would say probably that was his demeanor at home. And, uh, you know, he was, um, he, he was very supportive, I guess, no different than his players. I mean, from myself and my brother is very supportive of us, no matter what we want to do. And, you know, education, though, as I mentioned, always came first and, uh, you know, and he really encouraged us to play other sports and, uh, you know, that, I'm very thankful for that. And I think that was, that was kind of him and, like he never, he didn't really raise his voice much to us and kind of those players. And, um, but you take a look at that. And one of the, the good things, it's fun, you know, back in the seventies, but when he was inducted in the hall of fame back in 2013, uh, Ed Snyder, who was, you know, the, obviously the owner since day one, Ed was still alive and he chartered a plane and all the flyers, the former flyers came up and the hall of fame had never seen that, but that was kind of between you know, Ed Snyder, Keith Allen, who was a general manager and, yeah. and my father, Fortunately, all three in the Hall of Fame, and but that was an incredible um, situation in terms of the you know the, the way they did things. I mean, in terms of um, alumni, in terms of how they treated the player wives and uh, coaches' wives, and um, you know it was it was a situation to be around. And um, as someone would say, there's first class, and then there's flyer class, and <laughs> um, the way they did that, the way they did things, it was really cool to see that and grow up around it. And again, it was. Um, kind of normal for me and but that's you know the demeanor you saw and you know when you think someone that coached the broad street bullies and um you know would be but that wasn't his nature though that that was you know even though he's a boxer growing up in the canadian navy and everything like that and uh played the nhl for three years and he really was a much of a, a good fight um and stan fester says the only fight that gordy held did not win but he didn't lose was against my father and he gave me a an actual the actual newspaper clipping of it from 
Wow. It was really incredible. Yeah. So you look back at some of that stuff and, you know, some of the history and, and it's really kind of cool. But I'd say that, you know, I'm not sure what to make of the, I'm not sure who dressed them, to be honest with you, back in the day, but I mean, honestly. <laughs> some, was, of those plaid, some of those plaid ooh. suits from behind the bench? Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I, I all came back, and I watched Boogie Nights. I think it was definitely <laughs> So it was something, like, honestly. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, yeah, it was really, really incredible. And um, if you look at it now, yeah, it's kind of cool, I guess. You know, it's oh, looking yeah. a little like Walter, Walter White or something. I don't know. You know he looks like, cool. You know, with the He's glasses. Yeah. Style. So, really cool. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I guess it, uh, they say it always comes back in style, you know. And um, no, it was, uh, it was yeah, back in the seventies. Oh boy, and the uh, the Fu Manchu and the glasses and holy cow, <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, he also he also coached that ragtag New York Ranger team to the Stanley Cup Finals yeah. in uh, yeah. 70, 79. Correct. Yeah, that was uh, something. I was sixteen, and I was actually uh, in prep school at the time in New Hampshire. So. Um, I was only be able to go to games when I would be home for break or whatever it was. And, you know, for them to, you know, upset the Islanders in the semifinals to go to the finals. And, um, you know, that was quite something. And, you know, they got that close in 79. But, um, you know, John Davidson was a goalie of that yep. team. And they had some, you know, they had some really, I mean, Phyllis Bazil on that team. And it was really cool. And, you know, being 16 and, you know, 16, 17 years old, seeing that and being around New York City. And just, when they go to the finals, holy cow. And, you know, they were, they lost to a pretty good team in Montreal, I guess. But, yeah, uh, but of course, you know, the, the series before, that was the two, but even the ice penalty for the Bruins against the Canadians in 79, right? And of right, course, the Bruins Don like Cherry a behind the bench. And, exactly, exactly. And then Guy Lafleur scored to send the game into OT. Exactly. And of course, Boston is, a, you know, because the Rangers already beat uh, the Islanders like a day or two before. So, of course, the Bruins are like, from that, you know, game seven on, they've, they've said forever, if we would have won, we would beat the Rangers. And of course, the Rangers like if we did, if the Brewers won, we would have beat the Bruins. So, <laughs> and pretty certain, pretty certain, both teams are like, damn, it was going to be hard to beat Montreal. That's for sure. They were that good, but yeah, incredible experiences there as well. So that's you know, it's, I'm very fortunate. That they said that I've yeah, been at that age to re- remember stuff like that and and the people and even when my dad coached the Flyers or the Rangers and even I see Phyllis Bazzino, it's like I, you know, it's just a because yeah, my dad coached him and that was always been a thing and I see some a lot of the flyers uh, along the way and uh, and it's just the reminiscing and um, I apologize I stole most of their sticks uh, when I was a kid and you know I might have I must have been the biggest pain in the ass being in the locker room but I was always very respectful as a kid too it was always Mr. Clark or Mr. Perron or Mr. Barber or whoever or Mr. Lewis or you know the, the equipment manager and uh, anyway and but it was a good, a good time to be around the Philadelphia and New York that's for sure. So I was at Game Five of the final Stanley Cup Finals that year in '79 in series. That was the deciding game at yeah. home in the Montreal Forum, and uh, that was uh, a semi. That was the end of the four-year run of mm-hmm. the Habs winning four cups in a row. It was mm-hmm. Ken Dryden's last game he ever played as a Montreal Canadian in the NHL. Wow! Wow! It was Scotty Bowman's last game with the Montreal mm-hmm. Canadians because he left mm-hmm. to become uh, coach G at the Buffalo after that win. Jacques Lemaire mm-hmm. left. He uh, he went to Switzerland to to play there, and uh, and uh, that was also a year of transition. Sam Pollock to Irving Grunman. Grunman won the cup in in seventy eight seventy nine with basically Sam's team, uh, but then everything kind of blew apart, and that was the that was the end. But I remember vividly. I was at the game with my dad, watching your father behind yeah. the bench. 
Yes, and I'll tell you a funny story about the behind the bench there at the old forum. And my dad was, would tell me this, and I remember those. And by the way, they they all left the next year. Why didn't they leave the year before those old Canadians? They, they <laughs> raised about a one. Jesus Christ! Bad that, timing. Bad tell- timing. Thank, no, thanks for telling me. And, uh, <laughs> but my, my my father, my father, uh, you know, when he when he coached, he always uh, his uh, sport coat or suit sport coat usually. He always said like a uh, his rosary, rosary, uh, rosary beads, and his uh, you know when we get tight on the ice, whatever he would reach in his pocket and kind of grab them. Well, my mom was saying like the next day when they came home, I don't know if it was in the finals, but it was definitely you know in Montreal, and um, my mom was all upset about something like that. Hey, what happened? Oh, nothing. It's all good, but you know, but I guess your dad was coaching last night in Montreal. You know, people walked behind the bench, right? Yeah. They would go right behind the bench. Right behind the uh, bench. Actually, you know, my, yeah, right behind the bench. So my dad, you know, there must have been, you know, down in the flyer zone, and my dad's, like, reaching for his road. Next thing you know, he's like, what the hell? Some guy's got his hand in his pocket. He's like, what the hell's going on here? So just, <laughs> they're right there in the game. Like, oh, boy, that's – yeah, they um, – well, the flyers, whenever they went to Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, there, not much good happened. They usually were in jail or in Vancouver or, you know, Toronto would throw someone through a glove at one of the usherettes, unfortunately, and they got thrown in jail and – I don't know. They probably, hey, Alan. You know who the uh, the uh, the the counsel was the, for the Flyers at the time it was Gil Stein. That's so I'm sure right. he got him out of some, I'm sure Gil Stein's got him out of some stuff. Gil, <laughs> Gil, Gil Stein, yeah. who when John Ziegler was removed after the uh, 1992 <laughs> strike, player strike, Gil yeah. Stein was temporarily installed as the uh, president of the NHL. And the first thing he did when he became president of the NHL is he nominated himself for the Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> true, right. story. true story yeah, true story true <laughs> story and uh he, he actually he actually got in as a boulder but they took him out after right <laughs> exactly so, anyway hey i mean i can get in whatever it <laughs> takes i guess it's, it's pretty brazen to be able to like, get yourself in the hall of fame get nominated that's a pretty good deal yeah um is is um hey is sean ziegler in the hall of fame uh yes he is i don't remember yeah, is he, he okay he i didn't is. remember yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's something. Yeah. Got it. Wow, that's something. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, the crime. So um, when you were done with school and your playing career, mm-hmm. uh, you became an agent. Mm-hmm. What motivated you to do that? What in the world I'm motivated just... <laughs> you to do that? If you ask it another time, I'll actually think about it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, you know what? I, you know, it's, it's funny. It's um, So when I got into St. Lawrence, I was drafted by you know um, L.A. and – um, after my sophomore year, but it's funny, I was supposed to get drafted after my freshman year and, um, I didn't. And then I, you know, went to the, um, little junior trials, which were in, um, Colorado Springs and I tore my knee up in July and I missed my whole sophomore season. Oh. And I got drafted after that season. I didn't even play. <laughs> like, I'm not sure they're aware I didn't play, but I didn't play. <laughs> so, but then, you know, and I played two more years and I, you know, I had a good college career and, um, I was offered a three-way contract, like ten thousand to sign. Rogie Basham was the GM, yep. And uh, Pat Pat Quinn uh, was the head coach, and uh, cool. Pat, you know, my, my, started his coaching career with my father uh, in Philadelphia, which is incredible. But uh, and so I I went without a contract instead, and I had a very good camp. And at the end, it was offered like at the same time, like after a month of back then, there was no three-hour ruler. I was like, holy cow! And you know, Rogie said they were splitting uh, their AHL team at the time in New Haven with the Rangers. So there's only, they had two, I have a center, they had two spots for a center and the Rangers had two spots. So I would have to go to Toledo. I'm like, 
after a month, I was like, oh, uh, I would actually play with Don Liddell, by the way, in Toledo if I had done that. But I decided not to. And so I actually, my my first thought is that I, you know, a lot of my friends, I wanted to, you know, work Wall Street. And luckily, you know, that didn't, you know, uh, you know, Ella Rothschild, all these firms are like the Bear Stearns that I interviewed with are all kaput. And then while I was waiting, I'm like, I had an opportunity. A buddy called me from Boston I went to school with. And and this uh, guy was, I actually, what I wanted to do, because I was passionate about hockey, I, I would have gotten the scouting if I had an opportunity for sure. But that wasn't there. So this was like the next thing to do. And, you know, that was back in 1986 or seven. So I did it for maybe six years. And, you know, back then, certainly the money for players was not like anywhere close to where it is now. But it was, to me, I was passionate about being around the game. And that was the way to do it. I think, you know, uh, that is just a guess on my part, Alan, but, you know, I, I outside of the top 10%, which you're obviously there, and but a lot of, so many of the agents that, uh, that are in it now that uh, somebody would, if they had the opportunity, would love to be on the team side. Yeah. And, you know, um, and it's, it's, you know, both are hard businesses and, but that's really, I, I probably got the age of business because I wanted to be in hockey and, and that was the best way to go about doing it. It was very, and, and fortunately for me, I didn't do it to, for anything except like, you know, I was, I was young. I was maybe 25 or something like that. And, you know, to be, it ended up being very good for me just because of all the people I met. And, you know, you see so many games and the parents you meet and the, you know, you're, you're talking to meeting NHL scouts and that availed me to a lot of different things. And so that's probably why I did it. And I don't know if it was an end game for me or what. I just like being around the game and, um, and that's kind of served how I got in and everybody gets in a certain way in the hockey or, or something. And that was my way to get in. And, um, I'm not sure I'd still be doing it. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but I'm very fortunate. I, 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 I was very fortunate. I mean, again, like that, you know, I moved to Boston and, you know, I'd never lived in Boston before. And now, you know, Boston's really home. And, um, so that was really good. And it's, you know, maybe I'm not sure exactly what I was doing at times, but you know, um, I'm, I'm happy I did it. And, um, you know, so, but back then, I mean, it was again like no one made a ton of money in terms of some of the guys. I think back in eighty, when salary disclosure came out, I think Ray Bork was in eighty nine. Ray Bork or nineteen ninety. Ray Bork was making three fifty. Yep. Right. The guys make yep. more than three fifty in the AHL now. Yeah. So yeah. When, <laughs> salary, when salary disclosure came out, I think there was only three players mm-hmm. over a million dollars in the entire. That'd be Wayne, that right? Wayne Mario, and who? Um, yeah. I have to, I, I was looking at it. Uh, I was doing a project and putting some of that stuff together about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there were three players. I don't remember the third player, but mm-hmm. that was, uh, I, I think Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor. Um, oh, was, really? Yeah. I think, Dave I think, Taylor yeah, that's the, right. Yeah. He had a, he had a and really big contract back then. Well, um, having said that, that's having said that just, that was funny about the news day with, you know, Craig Conroy with Calgary, which is awesome. And Dave Taylor, he obviously been the, been the gym, the LA Kings for a long time. And now Yarmo Kekalainen with the, the Clarkson guys, even though I went to St. Lawrence, they're the Clarkson guys. And that's uh, great. You bring up a guy like Dave Taylor and stuff like that, but I think you're right. He probably was. And, uh, but Alan, were you in the age of business before salary disclosure? No, right? No, I, my first year oh, yeah. was 96. <laughs> I got in, I got in uh, right after a half season lockout. My timing was great. Uh, <laughs> oh, NHL's <laughs> locked out into January 95. And that's basically when I started in the agent business, when I left the, uh, prosecutor's <laughs> office. Yeah. That was, I tried, try negotiating. At twenty six or seven, whatever it was at the time, uh, with Harry Sinden, without seller disclosure, <laughs> it, it, honestly, here's how it went. 
the player was Bob Beers. Remember Bobby Beers? From sure. Played the NHL. What a wonderful guy and does an amazing job on radio for the Bruins for a long time now. And it was Bob Beers. So I remember gave across Harry's desk, him the proposal, all that stuff. And I'm like, hey, hopefully we get this done, you know, quickly, whatever. And Harry just went like, not at these numbers, kid. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't think I, I only get a backup plan. Uh, what numbers would you like, Harry? <laughs> and you're negotiating a void because you don't oh, know what anybody oh, else is making. You don't know. Right. Absolutely. Not, absolutely. And uh, it was, it was crazy. If you think about it. And I mean, he would, he reached into his drawer. He had like a little black book and he like flipped it. Nah, we gave Bob Joyce this and uh, we'll give your guy this. I'm like, what is it? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what he says. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Yeah, it wasn't much negotiating with Harry, and, uh, but it was amazing. And uh, but it's so funny how that came full circle because when I, um, you know, again I go back to you know when I started, I got the agent business and why probably because I was passionate about hockey and you know I was you know assistant GM in the NHL for 13 years before I in '06 I got the GM job in Pittsburgh and you know I say this to the people I talk to all the time, younger people that. And I never worked a day in my life to be a GM. I didn't. I just, I, I, 13 years as assistant GM, I, I, I love being in the game. I, I love, my greatest fear was not letting my GM down. That was it. And, um, but I take a look at 13 years as assistant GM, 13 years as a GM. And, um, you know, you take a look at that and a lot of the people that you've met along the way and stuff like that. And, um, I don't, you just, and I was the first one that David Poyle, I was there with eight, eight years with him. And it was, um, he, he never had a, a G, assistant GM before after 50 years in Washington. So we, I don't know how he picked me out of a hat, but I'm fortunate he did. And, um, but I had a, a great situation there, and, but I got in, you know, to, with Audible because Randy Sexton uh, was one of the founders uh, with Bruce Firestone and Sarah Leader, the senators. And, right. and uh, after six years in the agent business and we were, we played hockey at St. Morris together. And, but he's not going to call me about, the assistant GM job in Ottawa if I'm selling real estate or something like that. I mean, so to me, it paid off in the end. And, mm -hmm. um, but even with Harry, it's to go from being scared to death in his office with no salary disclosure to in 2006, like, you know, I never had an interview to be a GM and ever. And all of a sudden I had both interview with both Boston and, um, and Pittsburgh. And you and were offered both jobs. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really something in terms of getting to know Harry. Oh my, I spent a lot of time with him and, you know, a lot of different meetings that they had, and, and it was really something. I, I was so, so impressed, and I was so happy to be able to, to spend time with him, and he was so he was so smart to me. Like, I, I just really enjoyed it, and um, and that was something to look back, and that's when I first started talking to him back when I was younger as an agent and coming around and, you know, even spending time with, you know, go to Buffalo and spend time with Mr. Jacobs, Jeremy Jacobs in, in Buffalo, and, and, and it was really something. And I'm thinking to myself, holy cow. And, um, yeah, then I know I never had a, an interview. And next thing you know, I've got two or whatever. And all of a sudden you get offered both jobs or something like that. It was really, um, I'm not sure if there's a, it worked out for me and it worked out because Peter Shirelli obviously took the Boston job and worked out for him won a cup there in Boston did a great job. And, um, but again, it's one of those things. And I always say the thing, the best thing, it's probably the reason I'm on the, even this thing with you guys is Alan is, Obviously, the best thing about being in the game is the people. So, um, you know, it's uh, I've been very fortunate that way, and um, so try to pass that on as you do as well. And you know, in terms of some of the younger people who want to get into business and 
in direction. But, you know, if you're passionate about things and it's not about you and you, tr- you just want to be in, in help, and I think that's a good way to go about it. And um, I'm very fortunate in that respect. So you and I have done a lot of deals together over the years. We've had, I've had a lot of players play on your teams. Um, and I always thought, uh, and I don't think I ever told you this, but I always thought that your time as an agent um, gave you a perspective on the players' uh, lives, uh, especially with their families. Um, and you had a certain sensitivity to that, that um, a lot of your brethren in the NHL over the years did not have. And I keyed in on that uh, at times when you know things are going well for a player, everybody's happy, the GM is happy, the agent is happy. Sometimes things aren't going well for the player. And you had a, um, a caring about you, about the player's situation that really impressed me early on. And, 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 you know, I've never sat with you, like you and I have, you know, had beers, we've had dinners, we've spent time Mm -hmm. together. I never like actually expressed that to you, but that originally was where I said, you know what, this guy's a really good guy because he cares about players. And, wow. and That's, you know, I've talked to GMs who, who have said to me, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like agents. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. You know, why? Uh, they, they don't really care about their players. <laughs> and, and over the years, there have been GMs who sat with me and said, you know, the one thing about you, you may not be the most popular guy um, in NHL New York, or you may not be the popular, most popular guy if we took a vote at a, at a GM meeting, but – you do care about your players. I'll give you that. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing that I really care about, right? Yeah, is that yeah, you care yeah. about the player and, yeah. and you had that and you've always had that. And it's something that wow. always made a difference to me. <clears throat> no, I appreciate that. That means a lot. And um, I don't, I look back and certainly I think it's, you know, whether it's being in the agent business and, you know, you know, you, cause when people think of the agent business, oh, the contracts, you know, they were signing contracts and bought for that's not it's so much. It's like being a general manager. Everybody thinks, oh, I'll make trades and sign players. Well, that's like 10% of the job. <laughs> you know, that's not the way it goes. And I really think, you know, having been through that with younger players or families and, you know, when they don't get that offer or they get bought, okay, there's a real, there's a per, there's all, it affects so many different people. And, and when I be, whenever I was in, whether I was assistant GM or specifically like a general manager for 13 years, I always like, I think, that background, but also think that having you know two boys and I would always just live my life. Uh, how would my how would my how would I want that to, to treat my kid? And you know whether it's always about okay. When I was in Pittsburgh, you know Sidney Crosby's concussions and whatever, and that of course. But I just from seeing my kid go through that at the same time, but also if someone's in Albany, let's say New Jersey's farm team or in Wilkesbury, whatever. They have, they have a concussion or they were injured. They have parents sadly too. Do you think they're not worried that the death about their kid? I want to make sure, I always want to make sure they're is taken care of and making sure that they have the same follow up care and whatever. And it's about them and it's about their families. And I always say to our minor league coach and that, what's your job? Oh, develop players and win. Yeah, fuck. Good luck with that. Sorry. <laughs> um, but no, here's the story. You know how many players are going to develop really? If you're fortunate, come on, three, four, maybe, maybe. Like for real, like to me, uh, the, my goal for you here's what I'd like you to think is that 
20 years from now, when these players are done playing, they're all going to be doing something. And I want that, you know, firefighter or I want that policeman or that lawyer or that doctor or, you know, that guard, whoever it is, look back and say, you know what? He made a difference in my life mm. as a coach. That That's your thing. And it doesn't mean about how much you play them, or, but it's how you treat them and how, because they all have things on and off the ice. And as we know, everybody's got something, right? Yeah. And it's so unfortunate that uh, it, it takes, you know, two, three years after a player retires, you find something like this out sometime. And unfortunately now with the, um, they, they, it's, it's on the forefront of everything, which is important. But again, I always, always look at it that, you know, if that's my kid, I mean, you know, sometimes I say, I'm thinking to myself, well, that wasn't a good thing for me to say, but well, that's not my kid, whatever, <laughs> you know, um, there's some time, but I think part of that is, and I think, you know, you're the same way on, you care about your players, not a doubt. And I would say the, the best thing I had been of my sons, if they needed a, uh, Hopefully not, but if they did a lawyer or an agent, which they're not going to need as a player anymore, but that would be you because you do care about them. And I know your follow up and your follow borderlines on, like, honestly, a restraining order. But, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, <laughs> he knows it. I mean, trust me. Uh, Ray, <laughs> I want to ask you thing. about something specifically here. Um, about a meeting in Nashville in David Poyle's suite at the draft back in 2003. Does that ring any bells with you? No. <laughs> mm. Uh-oh. Uh, what do we have? Well, yeah, it's uh, actually, I think it's going to be a redo, uh, but the draft in uh, 2023 in Nashville, who knows? But uh, that was at the Hilton Hotel, actually. Um, uh, Alan Walsh uh, had a very good uh, Russian client. Uh, I really liked him too, Timo Shishkinov. And uh, you were there with uh, David Shaddy, your partner at the time. and. Yep. I don't know. And then we're, you know, we're David Poyle's a GM and the assistant GM. And, you know, and Shish is a second round pick and he's a high prospect for us. We want to sign him. And of course, Alan's, you know, I don't know. We're talking, talking. Next thing you know, Alan goes, excuse me. And I don't know if you want to tell the the story, Alan. <laughs> I, uh, I, I had um, uh, two days of literally no food. <laughs> so I was like starving <laughs> to the point of almost passing out. And before the meeting, I just grabbed something from some stand on the way to the Hilton where uh, the Nashville uh, uh, brain trust was all staying. So I get into the meeting and we start talking and all of a sudden my stomach is like gurgle, 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 gurgle. And I'm like, I got to go. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and, and and I and I get up and I head to the bathroom in this uh they had this uh you had this giant suite with a um big desk like a conference room attached to the suite and we were in the um the suite part we had walked through the conference part and I just like literally ran to the nearest toilet and uh after about 10 minutes came out of there and uh, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> and uh, your stomach was once again, empty. Yes. Well, it was, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he uh, drops a deuce of David's sweet. Um, that's good. <laughs> and then, then we, then we give you 700 grand for shish to sign. I mean, oh my God. I mean, that's what I, I mean, you should have known it, but he was shitting his pants that he, we, you had the upper hand. <laughs> Well, I should. <laughs> I should have known I, that. I, I should have known that. He, he, he I think what happened. I think what happened was David wasn't originally in our meeting, 
And he was running later. He was on the phone with another agent or something. It was just me and Ray and my partner, David. And then I headed yeah. out to the bathroom. And then I oh, came man. back and I was like sweat on my forehead oh, no. and, and I sit back down and then David comes and then David, then my partner, David, who's got an incredible sense of humor goes, uh, David, um, Alan left something in the bathroom. Do you want to go get it for him? So I think David actually up, looked and David's gets, like, he gets up and starts walking towards the bathroom. And I went, no, don't go in there. Don't go in there. And then we kind of let him in on what's going on. Wow. Yeah, what's wow. going on was, uh, yes. And, but having said that, we, you got your client seven grand to sign. And um, when you guys left, David Sweet, David turned to me and said, I was ready to get my head a grant, but screw that. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Jesus. Oh, Ray, I, I, I want to ask you about David Poyle because, man, what a career. Sure. Uh, obviously, Washington and then Nashville, like really amazing yeah. career there. What, what do you think was the thing that you learned from him that stuck, sticks out the most? Because um, very few guys get to just call their own shot and retire. Uh, what was your experience there? Uh, it was incredible. I was there eight years with David and, um, it, it so many life lessons and, um, you know, it was a lateral move for me. I had a contract still with uh, Ottawa, but they allowed me to talk to David and, um, and I didn't really know him that well. Cause as assistant Jim, you're not traveling those circles. And I was always more intimidated by my greatest fear. If I ever got a GM job was going to a GM meeting. I was so always intimidated by the GMs. Like if I was assistant or whatever, but I, David, it was just so inclusive. So, um, why would you do that? He would like, you know, between Paul Fenn or Craig Chandler, guys like this, or Barry Trotz, and why would you do that? Well, he had to think about everything. Was, and he was so prepared and so organized. And I mean, I didn't want to, again, I go back to that. I never want to let him down. And I still remember he was so organized. His whole notepad, I can see it, you know, he's got, you know, He's got everybody, his stuff here for every day. He's got, you know, Craig Leopold or uh, Jack Dillon, the president, uh, myself or Paul Fenn, whatever it is. And I, I took great pride in being, like, prepared mm-hmm. until I went to Nashville. I'm like, so we, every, and it was so good. Every, every day we're in town, we go to lunch or whatever and just shoot the shit. And Dave was like, hey, what's the story? Have you checked back on what's going on with, you know, Ella Walsh's client or something? I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, I, I gave Ellen a call and, um, I haven't heard back yet, but um, so we go back to the office after lunch, and he would always go to the men's room, wash his hands, whatever. I'm like, God damn, I forgot that. Like, God, I didn't even call out. I forgot about it, right? <laughs> so I, I was, I'm like, screw this. Like, he'd make a left to go to the men's room, right? And I would go to my office is right next to him. I would go into his office, sit at his desk. There's his notepad. I'm like, Ray, Ray, where's Ray? Oh, gripe, that too. Damn. So that's how I got ahead of it. I, I would I, I sneak in looking at my note. Oh, that to do as well, darn it. And um, he, and, and how, how David, I mean, he, he treated people uh, and their families. Like, it, it's so amazing. And I took a lot from that in terms of how he treated people and, um, and everybody. And that's just the way it was. But it, he gave you responsibility and let you act on it. But at the same time, you, you were accountable for it. And I still remember I made a coaching hire in our, for our farm team in Milwaukee. And after a year or two, it didn't work out. And then, so, you know, going through another interview process with the potential coaches, David said, Hey, you know, 
where are you on the where are we on the uh, Milwaukee search? I'm like, hey, I'm I'm down to two really good candidates, and I really like to try to get them in front of you next week. And um, and David with his glasses on, he's making his notes as usual. And David has his glasses on. He's and he goes, um, uh, yeah, who would they be? I like gave him the two names, and David made a note. And next, he just gave him one of these. You better get this one right. I'm like, <laughs> holy shit. Okay. Um, yeah. And, um, but he was, you know, the, the what ifs, I think if I, I remember, you know, as, as, as he, as a manager, I, I, I would always say the same thing as David, like in terms of, I, it's my stuff. I need ideas, right? I, I need ideas. So, and we would always try to come up with ideas. And, you know, one day I remember David must've been pissed about something. He just like started ripping into me and Paul Fett and like, really? You want to trade this guy and that? Oh, really? Have you ever traded anybody in your life? What? I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's your job. Uh, <laughs> what? Have you ever fired anybody? Uh, no. Until you do, then shut the fuck up. We're like, uh, really? Until you, if, if, when you become a general manager, if you guys ever become a general manager, you're going to find out what a bit, you're going to have to make the last and final decision. It's going to be your call, your responsibility. You have to make the final decision. I'm not ready to make that decision and it impacts someone's life like that. So, until you're in this seat, shut shut up. I'm like, okay. He apologized, like, whatever. I still remember, um, you know, this is my eighth year that, you know, when I interviewed with Boston and um, in Pittsburgh and for at least over a month probably back. And, and um, so I had the um, the Boston offer, and, I, and then, like, the afternoon, Pittsburgh called and got that. I'm like, oh, my God. So – I tried to get hold of David because I was out of the office. I was in Nashville somewhere and I stopped at Starbucks and I tried calling him. And I actually tried calling my wife, couldn't get a hold of her. So I called David and I got a hold of him. I go, David, holy cow. He goes, hey, what's going on? I go, listen, I just got an offer from Pittsburgh. Ken Sarr called and he's like, holy cow. I go, yeah, David, here's like, holy crap. You know the Boston thing. Here's the Pittsburgh thing. What should I do? What do you think? Yeah, you had two and offers goes, on the table at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was at Starbucks, and um, you know, David's like, "Well, Ray, that's incredible. Uh, you're going to be a general manager." And I'm like, well, uh, "Yeah, but I, which which one should I take?" And David's like, "Ray, um, two great opportunities. It seems. Uh, remember all the time I'd say to you when you become a general manager, you always have to make the final call. Well, you're going to be a general manager. You have to make the final call. Tell me what you do." And he had he hung up on me, <laughs> and I was like, "What?" I was like, and to me though, for David, it was it was the perfect thing. It was like, "Oh my god!" And I realized that that was him. He's like, he took me that far. Now I have to make a decision. That was my first decision as a GM is deciding what to do. It would have been a lot more comforting if David made it for me, <laughs> but he made it. It was a great way for him to say, "Hey, good luck. Tell me what you do." Mm-hmm. And he hung up. I'm like, "Wow." That's what the cool. hell going on here? But no, I, it, it, but I I look back so fondly in the days with David and um, in Nashville, and we had some incredible experiences and people. And um, and I just talked to him a couple weeks ago for for a while. It was fun to catch up, and um, it's it was an incredible experience. And and, and living in Nashville is just uh, something real special. Yeah. So um, right now we have new management in Calgary. Um, Craig Conroy was announced as the new GM today, with Dave Nonis joining him in Calgary. Uh, Toronto GM job is is open. Uh, the Pittsburgh GM job is open. Um, can you take us inside? What's it like to interview for a general manager? 
What do you talk about in an interview? What kind of questions are asked of you? And how do you, how do you prepare for that? It's, I think it depends the, the, the organization and uh, their style as well. And, and for instance, like with Boston, that was the first interview I ever had. And, you know, Harry Sinnott was, was good friends with David Poyle. And um, I remember, you know, I had a conference call in David Poyle's office with Harry and David. And, and Harry's like, hey, you know, next Tuesday, if, you know, if you're not ready, if you're not uh, busy, we'd like to have the, you come to the Boston and, for an interview and um, you know, it will be myself, uh, Charlie Jacobs and that would be just the two of us. And, um, but you know, I don't want to catch you or anybody surprised. So what I'm thinking is uh, I'd like to, if I get David's fax number, if I can uh, fax you a set of questions, I'm like, looking at David thinking, Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm like, that'd be fantastic. Um, the questions he's like, yeah, I'd like to, you know, I, I want to talk hockey and I'd like to, you know, send you some questions and, which I still have. I think they were just amazing because in terms of what you think about. And uh, the, the only thing that he goes, is that all right? The only thing I'm, I said to Harry, I remember saying, like, oh, I, geez, I wish this was like I had this in school. I get the uh, questions before the test. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, that, and, 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 Pitt, and Pittsburgh was, was, wasn't like that. Like with um, Ken Sir and Ted Block interview with them, and it was a three-hour, uh, you know, we are just talked. And it was, you know, I'd been through maybe five, six weeks of interviews with Boston and, um and then it was only one interview with Pittsburgh. And I still remember I, I went to Pittsburgh. It was raining like hell and spent three hours with Ted, uh, Ted Black and, and Ken Sawyer. And I still, <laughs> David Poyle said to me uh, about the Boston thing, you know, I know Harry goes, if at some point, if he's interested enough, you're, you're going to be asked about, you know, any money expectations or terming your contract. I'm like, like, yeah, okay, sure. Right. Yeah, here's I'm like if that, when that happens, what do you think, David? He goes, I'm telling you, tell Harry you only want one year. What? One year? David, are you nuts? He goes, I'm telling you, Harry will love it. I'm like, well, sure enough, that ever got to that point with you know, I got a contract offer it was for more than one year with Boston, obviously, but but I when I I had the offer or whatever, I I'd said that, and I didn't okay. Then I go to Pittsburgh, and I don't know, I just felt very comfort competent going through all the stuff I did with Boston and, and I had a, a great interview with Pittsburgh, but it was just, we just talked different things. And I remember Ken Sawyer, I must've been going okay for like an hour and a half. And Ken turned to me and said, Ray, just not to put the cart before the head of the horse, but if we were to ever offer you uh, this position, what would you be thinking of in terms of, you know, salary or, or term on a contract? And I just told him, I said, salary wise, I think, you know, kind of whatever the entry level salaries are for GMs. I mean, and he goes, uh, okay, um, what about term? I'm like, the one year. What? Uh, yeah, one year. Why would you possibly win one year? I'm like, because I know I'll do a great job. I'll make a lot more money. <laughs> and Ken's like looking at, Ken Sawyer's looking at Ted Black. And, and he's, okay. Um, he's writing notes and he asked me another question and we're talking and he, he stops in the middle of the, you know, and he goes, let me, oh, wait a second. Get, are you serious about one year? I'm like, yeah, I am. And I go, Mr. Sorry, I got to say, like, I understand that you cannot, like, hire a general manager and trot him out. Hey, our new GM's got a one-year contract. But I, I, that's how comfortable I am. And I can do a very good job. And um, But that's how I feel. And so sure enough, ended up getting a five-year deal, whatever. And, um, <laughs> after, after I got a five-year deal 
And after the first year, though, because the team went from 58 points to 105, right? And I think I had a bonus for like 88 points or something. And we made the playoffs, too. But I still remember after, you know, Ottawa beat us in the first round. Um, they went to the finals that year. and But it was the incredible first year. And I still remember um, I got an email from Ken Sawyer a couple of weeks later. Or, hey, you know, if you can come by the office tomorrow, two, 2 o'clock, something like that. You know, I have your bonus check or whatever for the playoffs. And he goes, P.S., thank God you didn't take uh, – I didn't sign you a one-year contract. <laughs> 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 and that was something. I mean, that was – the same with Pittsburgh. What a great experience. Like Ken Sawyer, Tim Black, and, you know, that was it was really something. And, and Alan, we worked together quite a bit there too, obviously, with some of your players. And um, it was it was, uh, it was was fun. What about a young Sidney Crosby? What was that like? Um, he, he, yeah, he was – Sid is a really incredible. First time I met him was uh, he was 19, and uh, he was uh, after this is after his rookie year, and he had a uh, 102 points, I believe, um, as an 18 year old. But he was at the World Championship when I got the job. So when he came back to the town, it might have been June or July, I can remember June or something like that. And and this is kind of how it went for eight years with him. Sid is that yeah, I told him I'd like to get together with him and you know get to know each other. And so we you know we had lunch. Uh, the, I think it might have been I'm not sure where it was in Pittsburgh. We had lunch. And, um, it was, oops, sorry. It was, um, three and a half hours. And that was the shortest meeting I ever had with Sid was three and a half hours. It was usually four hours easy. And, um, there was so much on his mind and all that stuff. And I, you know, to see, you know, for eight years, you know, by the time he's 19, um, until, you know, yeah, for eight years with him. And, um, he, um, Still, even remember like coming off his rookie contract, and he so, you know obviously he signs the five year deal at eight point seven, and um, you know sitting, you know, I remember at Mellon Arena there, Alan, obviously the Craig Patrick's former office, and uh, my predecessor Craig Gibbs. That's tough. Two GM jobs. My predecessor uh, Craig Patrick and Lou Lavarello. Gee whiz, <laughs> like that was tough. Um, that's tough. But it was uh, so. I remember it was Sid signed his uh, his extension, you know, for his five year deal at eight point seven. Um, and how whatever at the same time, Ovechkin had signed for 13 of a week or two earlier, 13 years. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things I say all the time, like it was 13 years, five years didn't matter if they signed him for 13 years. He wants to, he's not happy. You're going to have to trade him anyway. And if he likes it enough, he's going to stay, which he obviously have. And so when we, we sat down, we're, you know, going through everything. I go, Hey, listen, do you, you realize next year how much money you're going to make per day? You know, let's say that whatever the salary was, let's say it's eight seven, whatever it was, over one hundred eighty seven days. Uh, yeah, you're gonna here's, you're gonna make this every day. What? How much? Like, oh, wow. And I so he was. I guess I guess I shouldn't take any optionals. Huh? I should like that, that's a lot. <laughs> like so, you know, it's like so. But to see him like they go through, I, I mean, you know, and I, I you know, even though we uh, I was there eight years and. Uh, we won a cup with the finals another year, with the semifinals another year. You know, I, I think we should have won more than one. We did, and then I really think that it was beneficial. Even when I got turfed, when Jimmy came in, it took a couple years. It wasn't easy for these guys, and I really think you know Tanger and all that stuff. We did, and Malcolm, these guys, and and Mark and the Flurry. It just if it if it just happened, because you know Sid's second year, we went to the. It's third year, actually, yeah, third year went to the finals um, against Detroit, and then when that was against Detroit, like, yeah, like, if it just like rolls on like that, I don't think you ever really appreciate how hard it is. And you know, 
in 09 they win, but then it took, you know, a lot of, you know, disappointments in the playoffs, even with good teams and, you know, injuries, obviously, to, to, to all of them. And, and then to see them win in, you know, 16, 17 back-to-back and, and how hard it was, I mean, I, I think I, I can only guess that, that looking back, it's got to be so satisfying for them, you know, they're they're always told they were just this, just this. Well, they became this. It came, you know, certainly, you know, I think part of it too, because, you know, always compared against the Blackhawks with Kane and Taves and things like that. They had three cops and these guys only had one. So at least they're tied now and, um, and certainly deservedly so. And, um, but, you know, dealing with those guys and in particular was something. And, um, what about uh, noted Alan Mall's Brent. client, Marc-Andre Fleury, as a young man? What was he like? Mark, uh, probably a lot like he is now, um, <laughs> but he is, he's very, he, Mark is very, you know, it's one of those things too, as Alan knows, went through a lot of tough things with, with Mark and, um, you know, remember back with the yellow pads there that we lost in the playoffs in, you know, 06, 07, and um, then we had the yellow pads and there was some writer or something like that in Ottawa, uh, some, there was some, it was some, some, I think it was some an lady, eye doctor, doctor, an eye doctor, uh, eye doctor. Eye doctor. Yes, it said, you know, that said, that said something about yellow pads attract, you know, whatever. I'm like, uh, whatever. So Mark changes pads. And I remember he, he'd be sitting in my, he'd be sitting in my office and it's like, I, I'm trying to put on my, um, my, my, my psychologist hat or things like that. I would call you probably afterward, Alan. Seriously, here's what happened. You know, he's probably going to call you or what's, uh, I mean, and every, uh, the greatest thing too is every, every young person's different as we know. And, you know, even how happy go like they could be, you know, everybody, well, got, grew to find out how competitive Mark is. But again, it's one of those things. I mean, there was some, uh, you know, remember that he had that high ankle sprain there and I was seven away. And I think it was, he was out for six weeks at least the calorie stumbled in the crease coming across and high ankle sprain. I'm like, God damn, we're in trouble here. We're on the Danny Sabrin and some guy in, who's our goalie in Wilkesbury? Oh, okay. Let's call him up, I guess. Well, Ty Coffin saved their ass, right? Ty Coffin comes in, it goes like 23 and four or something like that. <laughs> Wins the outdoor game in Buffalo, you know? And, um, but again, it's like, I mean, like Mark was this the C Mark now, obviously it's so funny and but what a, a Hall of Fame career, Hall of Fame person, most importantly, and Alan set a front row seat to all that stuff. And um, you know, I just you know, Alan Mark is you know, it, I a lot. I I think what eight playoff series with Mark, and some good, some bad, some incredibly good, and you know, certainly the one in '09, which is fantastic, and. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I can't, honestly, everybody talks about 09 Mark Andre Fleury saving this from at the buzzer. Yeah, we had a face off outside the zone with 16 seconds left, and they hit the crossbar. The no, they that was a little bit earlier, yeah. but they had so they, they the face offs in our zone with what six, six point two seconds. It's six point two. The, the thing is, everybody's like that last save of Lidstrom. I can't believe the first one didn't go in. Where mm. Falski shot through traffic in the point. Like if we actually didn't lose the draw, they. Or whatever, they just all tied him up and got kicked back to the point where Falski shot. I thought that was a great save, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say we won in overtime, but I don't know. If I'd be still at Jolos Arena, I would have been – oh, boy, that was some. But he was uh, – what a wonderful kid. What a wonderful person. And honestly, his, his wife is maybe – so the nicest he'll be is like 
it wasn't when we were in Pittsburgh. I think uh, wasn't she uh, was she taking classes at RMU? I believe. Yep. Um, and she, uh, yep. And she, also, she didn't she do some marketing work for the Peng? Yeah, didn't yeah. she do some marketing work for the Penguins? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's. I mean, not a lot. It's a, a really good group of of people, and um, you know, talk about Latang and Malkin and Crosby and. You know, I, I'm not, I can't really talk about those without mentioning Craig Patrick, who drafted those guys, right? And, you know, what a, it's, you know, it's nice to see. And I still remember when, um, after my first year, we had 105 points and um, we were playing Ottawa in the playoffs. It was the afternoon of game one in Ottawa. And I, I called Craig Patrick up and said, I hope you're, you know, this is your team. I hope you're proud. And, you know, and it's because there's so many, you know, the Greg Malons and things like that that draft these guys and a lot of them. And um, everybody's got something to do with it, which is always good. And, um, and I know that, you know, Craig was always very proud of, you know, Mark Andre Fleury, you know, obviously, you know, three trading up to get him and, yep. and certainly see that pay off for the 09 and then certainly in a Hall of Fame induction at some point, hopefully not too soon, but in the future. So it's always kind of cool. Very yeah. cool. So um, Billy, Billy Guerin played for you in Pittsburgh. Uh, later mm-hmm. on, he was your assistant GM. Uh, and now he's the GM with the Wild and you're senior advisor to him. Mm-hmm. What's that yeah. dynamic like between the two of you? With Billy Garen, I think it's been fantastic. Uh, you know, this is my second year with him here and, and the staff. And, you know, his background is different than mine. And, you know, he played for, you know, almost 18 years or whatever it is, over a 1,000 games and um, and won two cups as a player and certainly uh, two more as an executive with Pittsburgh. And I love the fact that people are different than me. And I'm certainly different now than Billy because of my background. I think that, you know, that experience is what he was looking for. And, um, you know, to try to, you know, not making the mistakes I made or, uh, you know, as I mentioned, going back to David Poyle, you know, idea wise, okay. Ideas. I think my experience is this. And, uh, but again, I love being part of a staff and then certainly see the way that Billy, you know, deals with people. And again, I'm, I learn from people all the time, including him and which has been fantastic. And he's a real easy person to work with. And, um, but I go back to, you know, with opportunities with people, I was just, I mentioned Tom Fitzgerald and, you know, the player development world is, is so, critical now to you know teams both on and off the ice and um what i hired fitz you know seven and see how well he's doing as a gm now with um with new jersey is really great to see and but um you know with fitzy you know we had drafted chad johnson uh, the year before and i was six my first draft at the goalie he played the nhl for a number of years and um, but he was playing college at the time and so you know fitzy you know, his first month on the job uh it was like july of 07 and he's asking me uh, in terms of you know what who do I call the coach for coach? Yeah, I call the coach to so call the player, get to know them, introduce yourself. So he gets, um, he calls me and says, I think I screwed up. I'm like, he's only been on the job for a couple of weeks and it's July. How bad could he say, uh, what happened? Well, Fitzy goes, Hey, I called the uh, Chad Johnson's coach. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking it's not bad so far. What happened? Well, yeah, I just introduced myself. Hey, I'm Tom Fitzgerald, the new director of player development for the Pittsburgh Penguins and blah, blah, blah. I was going to ask you about Chad Johnson. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, uh, do you think there's a chance like he might play more next year, you know, as a sophomore? The coach goes, uh, not, 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 I, I would think so. I, yeah, probably. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, what about, tell me about his grades. Is he a good student? I, I don't really know, Tom. Oh, just call me Fitzy. Okay, Fitzy. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Uh, okay. Uh, Fitzy uh, said, oh, what about his work ethic? Also, the coach goes, hey, uh, Fitzy. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but 
um, I'm the coach at Alaska Fairbanks. Uh, Chad plays Alaska Anchorage. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, I'm laughing like you guys. I'm like, Fitzy, there's no way. He goes, yeah, holy shit. He goes, Ray, don't tell anybody. I'm like, oh, I won't. (laughs) This is, it was funny because it might've been 2014. um, I was in Buffalo in September at the, um, at the uh, uh, prospects, U.S. prospects game, whatever, and I was going in, and Steve Steos, uh, I'd never met him. Steve he introduced himself, and you know he's doing player development with Toronto, Toronto. the Maple Leafs at the time, and yeah, right. And um, so we're catching up. He goes, "Hey, right, one question." I go, "What is that a true story about Fitzy and Chad Johnson?" And I'm like, "What?" He goes, "I go, yeah, that's a true story." He goes, "Man, that is legendary to development circles." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh boy." <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, at least you have to have some fun with that anyway. And but uh, Chad Johnson went on to do well for himself, and so is Fitzy. So all good. Ray, you've got so a you, unique. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Al. Go ahead. No, yeah. uh, so you're you're working right now as senior advisor to to Billy Guerin. <laughs> what does a senior advisor do? Um, well, Billy went to. Uh, I think he went to Spain last summer. So when we were at the develop, uh, development camp last year, uh, I told him I wanted a new title. He said, "What?" I go, a "Senior advisor." And because uh, I don't know exactly what it is, too, it means you're old and uh, supposed to give advice once in a while. And uh, no, I, th- I think um, I through through my time as a GM, I always I really enjoyed the situation where I would have like an Andre Savard, a former GM or been a, a Don Waddell uh, worked with me as well. Uh, Randy Sachs, going on, on to people that it's if you look at it this way or. I really, I really enjoyed that, and again, uh, that to me is, you know, especially Billy was. I think Billy had been a GM for one or two years, I think. Um, so, you know, to, to kind of jump in um, after my experience has been has been really good. And again, to me, I really enjoy working with different people and uh, different backgrounds and things like that. But in terms of senior advisor, it, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll see our team, but I'll see a lot of NHL games or in college games, and but you know, as a manager you always have your pulse on the NHL in particular. You kind of have an idea and know, and, you know, I'm very fortunate still to have that connection. And um, in terms of, again, it's all communication as well from, you know, your, your GM has got to communicate. Here's, you know, to your pro scouts or your amateur scouts, and here's what we're looking for. Here's our needs. Or um, again, that's, uh, that's when you need the ideas and things like that. And, um, and again, it's in terms of my relationships in, in the hockey world are different than Billy's. And, you know, obviously with, we went through this uh, a year ago or so with the trade deadline with Mark Andre, and I basically more of an introduction of Billy and Alan, even though he knew each other. You know, I said to Billy, "You can trust Alan." I, that's my experience. I said, "Alan, is that still true?" <laughs> and he said, "It was." <laughs> uh, but I think you know, I think it's one of those things in terms of um, it's it's Billy will always say, "Do whatever you want to do, Ray, but don't kill yourself doing it." I'm like, "Well, that's not me to be giving up. I'm being a game to like to see and." Uh, you know, college games, and I think that's been real beneficial for me. And again, in terms of what I can add, it's not just like in terms of staff and younger staff are, are trying, you know, trying to help them and, and them helping me at times too. And that's been very, very, very a great thing for me to be honest with you. And um, in terms of, uh, I guess, in terms of, I'll do what Billy wants me to do, put it that way. And um, and again, you see a lot of those roles around the league now. And and I've I've been fortunate to have some of those people that, that have helped me in the past, and uh, I've. I'd benefited from it, and um, and hopefully Billy does as well. And Ray, being being a former GM, what's it like for you dealing with 
with agents? Like, do you do you tend to prefer some over some over others? Um, do you uh, <laughs> do you dread when Alan Walsh calls you? Like, do, because you've got that unique perspective. You've come at it from the other side. Yeah. Um, well, it depends on. Yeah, you know, I think you know, um, you always have. And so I guess as a manager, it's the same way. You would have different relationships with other, you know, the 31 GMs. And I think, you know, you have to do business. I mean, you're not competitive, right? I mean, so you're not all buddy-buddy all the time with the other GMs or certainly there's, it's competitive and uh, there's jealousies at, at, at points or someone thinks they got screwed over on something. But you all be, you become more trusting and vice versa of some GMs. The same thing would be hold true to me of the agent business in terms of, you know, some guys you just know, and, and you know, agents know if uh, somebody screws them over mm-hmm. and so does the GM. And I mean, that's why this me and Alan had a good relationship over the years, very good relationship over the years because of the trust. And, and sometime, I mean, he might need a favor. Okay. If I, if I can help, I will not because why, because it's the right thing to do and it might come back, but if it doesn't, all right, well, there's a reason I probably did in the first place because, you know, we had that relationship or, um, and again, it's, I, I appreciate someone like Alan that would all, always you know, really went the bat sometime over the line for their clients. But you know what? I respect that. And it's, you know, because he cares and, you know, he's a defender of his clients and uh, and for sure. And, um, you know, it's, but I think I always go back to the hockey business about relationships and things like that. And for that's what it is as a manager with agents and, and some, you know, I, I, I never particularly cared for at all. And mm-hmm. if they probably didn't care for me either. I'd give a shit. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I don't like, who gives a shit? Like, seriously. Um, but I know one thing, I mean, my word meant something to me and always did. And, you know, I, it would be, I never want to be embarrassed. I never, I don't want to embarrass an agent or make a, you know, cause it was something as Alan said earlier, some, some, uh, some people in hockey are, uh, or GM's agents or whatever, like that. Like I always looked at it like they're like I, they can help me. Mm-hmm. They can hurt me, and vice versa to a certain extent. But I, I believe that you know that relationship always would come back sometime. And and to me, it's like now that I'm not a GM anymore, like I I still have some of those relationships. It's really good. I I, I know the people I respect and how I was treated, and um, even like hey, you know, the best thing is when. I, I'm not in a position doing anything for you as a GM. Well, you know, uh, Alan's always kept in touch and all those things. And, and certainly my role now with Minnesota, it's, you know, it's beneficial. I could try to help him and, you know, certainly try to, you know, because my relationship with Alan was much different, as I mentioned, to Billy's with Alan. And, you know, if uh, Billy trusts me enough that, I, hey, you can trust Alan. And, okay. Well, it, it's, you certainly can, which is good. And, um, but I, I, anyway, it's, um, it's been one of those things that I think it is when you think like the age, like I'm sure Alan, you might have other agents in the business that I'm not saying it's friendly with, but you, you certainly trust and respect or you might have to, you might have to compare yeah. notes on something and, and some other ones that you don't have respect for. Not so much if they, uh, you lost a client to them or whatever, just maybe there's something that's we're not honest about something hard to believe. Well, not everybody's um, for everybody, uh, right? Not everybody's going to get along. Absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, it's a, kind of the same thing as a manager to manager in, in terms of, you know, it's a, it's a competitive business and, you know, um, you, you just, you know, as a other GMs, like you're dealing with as to who, who's being honest with you and who isn't. And I'm not saying outright line sometime, but they're trying to, you know, take advantage of something or 
to steer the economy because, you know, they want the player or for, <laughs> for the least amount of money they can get him for that money, for the least amount of like assets you can get him for. And, um, but it always comes down to the end of, to be with anything. It's either good people are good people. And again, Al and I could fight it over. <laughs> we have many times over contracts and remember the draft in 13 in New Jersey. I was with Pittsburgh. We're doing Pascal <laughs> Dupree's contract. We're at the Hilton. Remember you got up and you told me, you tell me, you said, it's, I think maybe probably the only time, but you got up and left. You said, fuck you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I'm sitting there in the lobby. I'm having a beer and we're talking. And all of a sudden you got up and you said, I, I'm like, is he, is he leaving the building? What's going on? <laughs> Did like, he? I've ever, I, I, well, I've never seen yeah, him. I there's no way. There's no way. I, I said, there's no way he's coming back. Cause it's like at 10 <laughs> o'clock at night in the, the hotel bar. Right. I go, he's coming back. And sure enough, Oh, that's not him. That's not him either. So oh. like, after like five minutes, I'm like, what the, did he really leave? So <laughs> I walk out, to, I, I walk out, I walk out for the, I walk out to, the, you know, where the taxes are or whatever at the hill in, in short Hills. And you were, you were standing there waiting for your car or cab or something like that. I'm like, Hey, I think you were, I'm like, Hey, what the hell? And we ended up getting a deal done later on anyway on Pascal Dupuy, but oh. it worked out well, you know, yeah. uh, it's always good. Pascal called me the next morning, and he said, um, "Yeah, uh, Ray called me. Apparently, <laughs> things didn't go well last night." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I did. Didn't I? Sorry. Well, yeah, that's well, awesome. He still he still got a four year deal, so that's good. Yeah, that was um, that was that, that worked out well. What a, that was a great pickup, Pascal, for the for the Penguins. So and in the, uh, in the well, trade. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. That's um, yeah, that worked out well for for everybody and yeah, for Pascal in particular. And he, he made a really price. They always scored twenty five goals a year with no power play goals, no power play time. So that was always pretty good, you know. Oh, yeah. So it's always good. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. Very yeah. very funny. That's, yeah. Well, well pa- Pascal was um, supposed to be traded uh, to the New York Rangers, and and uh, no, he was supposed to be traded to Atlanta. Oh, okay, and and um, Donnie Waddell went up to uh, Minnesota, had a meeting with Minnesota management during a game in their in the GM's box. Shook hands on the deal. And uh, the GM called his, Donnie Waddell called his assistant GM Mm -hmm. in Atlanta and said, the deal's done. Uh, Minnesota will call you in the morning and, and tee up a trade call with the league. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Donnie gets on a plane. There's no Wi-Fi on planes back then. He lands in Atlanta and he's got a message from his assistant GM. Hey, what's going on? Pascal was just traded to the New York Rangers. So Donnie Waddell calls Glenn Sather and he goes, what the hell's going on? I had a deal for Pascal Dupuis last night. Mm. And, uh, and, and Glenn says, I, uh, I, I have no idea. And Donnie's really, really pissed off. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Sather says, well, I'll trade him to you. And they start talking, and oh. and and Slat said, "But I need him. To, I have an injury right now. I need him to play, you know, like two games, and then I'll trade him to you." 
So, so, so Pascal played two games with the Rangers and was traded to Atlanta. Wow. Wow. Two games. <laughs> that is, well, that, that, that was beneficial for me at the end. And, and it's funny because uh, when that came down at the last minute, the, the host of deal, obviously, with Pascal, that we in there for, you know, Colby Armstrong and Christensen and all this, whatever. Um, I, I've known Don Waddell a long, long time. And, um, and then when they Atlanta moved to Winnipeg and, you know, obviously they, they hired Kevin Shulva day off. And so I hired Don Waddell for a couple of years as pro scout in uh, Pittsburgh with me. And, and he told me about, you know, he was nervous wreck because he thought he might have had to deal with Montreal that it wasn't there. At the, and all of a sudden it was like that minute before the deadline, we did the deal. And so, and that's why I go back to like, you know, the people in hockey and uh, like Don Waddell and, I remember the first year I had Don Waddell uh, pro scouting with us in Pittsburgh. Um, I remember I called him, and, he, and Donnie's an amazing guy, and is uh, so happy that he, uh, well, he, his teams have done in Carolina. And, but I remember calling him, and like as a GM, the best thing as a GM, you don't have to play reports in, right? And Ricknet or whatever. That was awesome. So next thing you know, Donnie's putting the play reports, and so I called him. Like he's on the, he's like a month he's working for us. He's driving. I always loved driving for Atlanta, Detroit. He drive, no radio, nothing. He just like to think he said. I'm like, oh boy. Okay, Donnie, here's the story. I've been reading your reports on Rinknet. Pretty good. I've lost him. Like, Donnie, Jesus. You know, Rinknet's got spell check, you know. What? I go, Donnie, you can't spell for shit. Seriously. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Donnie, Donnie goes, whoa, 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 Ray. Listen, I went to Northern Michigan where M stands for knowledge. Uh, good one. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm like, Donnie, you're a beauty. <laughs> I still remember when I first met him. I still remember I first met him in like an 87 in Flint, Michigan. He was player assistant coach, whatever. And he had this, he had this business and I, I wish I stole the card. His business card it didn't matter. Cause I could still see it. It was a porta potty business. And he, he was knocking it. Honestly, he goes, right. I'm telling you, I got NASCAR stuff. I got like uh, golf events. I'm like, wow. He goes, it's great business. So he gave me his card. I still look, I remember looking at it. It says Don Waddell, you know, CEO, whatever, and whatever the name of the company is. But the motto was, I'll never get it outstanding in the field. And outstanding was two words. That was good. <laughs> He's a, what a beauty. Like, uh, that's, it was, it's, so, when, you know, the, it's funny when, you know, that relationship coming full circle and, you know, obviously with Hosen, and certainly with, with Pascal and how that worked out and, um, I remember, like, I mean, five minutes before we did the deal, I'm in the, I, I'd given him, like, Armstrong and Christians and two roster players and obviously a first-round pick and our former first-round pick. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Donnie, shit. I go, wait a second. I'm looking at our I'm like, Donnie, I need a forward back. He goes, what? I need a forward back. And he goes, and I still I remember about a, a week or two earlier, he had sent something out to all the teams. If anybody had interest in Pascal Dupuis, I don't, he's an unrestricted free agent coming up, right, Alan, if I recall. And um, so I go, what about Dupuis? He goes, what about him? I go, I'll take him. He's like, all right, you got him. I'm like, great. So that's how we got in the deal, thank God. And that's because we'd have a, a, another forward, and that obviously turned into a very good thing for the Penguins and Pascal, and, and certainly what a, a wonderful guy and pickup and um, – it was and just that deal the, was one minute before the deadline, finalized. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, one, oh, minute, oh, yeah, one minute before the deadline, and um, that was uh, get that, that fax was, in. That was oh yeah, trust me, that was my first big deal I ever did, and we got the fax in. But I still remember Chuck Fletcher r- r- ran to put the fax in, and I was my my knees were shaking, and I walked into my assistant's office, and there's Chuck looking at me, 
is everything all right? I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear. I don't want to do it anymore. And Chuck's like, great. He says the facts through. Oh, God. That was so bad. I was so nervous. Anyway, it worked out. And anyway, it was one of those funny things. So <laughs> That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Crazy. During, uh, you know, once July 1 hit, you know, you're going all day, late into the night. Um, Ray and Chuck Fletcher would call me like usually around seven, eight o'clock Eastern time when the phone stopped ringing for the day. <laughs> and uh, Ray and Chuck would pull a couple of beers out of the cooler. I'd pull a beer out of my cooler in the office. We'd go on speakerphone and we'd kind of compare notes and talk about the signings in the day and just kind of catch up together. Uh, we did that a couple of years in a row until uh, and, until you lost uh, lost Chuck to another team. Exactly, and that's what happened. And but that was fun though because invariably what would happen? That we kind of hey, what happened? What happened here or there? Anything else going on? And you know we'd play like an hour or something like that and catch up, and that was fun. And we'd just be waiting though. Alan always would say, "Before you guys go, I got a guy. I got another guy." <laughs> so this is where hey I, I need a favor <laughs> amazing oh, that was amazing tough. that was tough. Yeah. Anyway, good stuff yeah so ray last question sure. and, and i know you've been incredibly generous with your time and we're very grateful there's a couple of open gm jobs around the league do you have any uh interest in ever becoming a gm again I mean, I, you never say never. I, I mean, I've been very fortunate and uh, to have done it twice for 13 years overall. And I really enjoy what I'm doing now. And at the same time, I guess you never say never, but I'm very happy for to see some of the opportunities provided for guys like today, Craig Conroy, I've known a long time. And, and certainly that was me before. And I, I you know, I, I'm waiting for the first female GM at some point in the hockey, which would be fantastic. And but again, you never say never. And uh, having said, I, I enjoy what I'm doing now. I love being involved in, in the loop on everything. And, um, you know, if anything happens, it happens. If not, uh, you know, it's, it's been uh, fantastic. And uh, just really thrilled to be in the game. And um, But if I get another opportunity, that'd be fantastic too. But um, until then, or having said that, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And uh, we'll see where it goes. And again, um, I appreciate you guys having me on. That's been fun. Yeah, it's, it's been, been great it's been a great conversation, yeah, a lot of memories, a lot of laughs. Yeah. And 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 I think it's also been incredibly informative to people, give them a little bit of the behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh in the industry. Uh so thank you again. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Adam Byer, nice to meet you. And uh, Alan, we'll talk to you soon. And Jesse, nice to uh, take care. Ray, great to meet you as well. And I'm looking forward to you growing your dad's mustache. <laughs> what about my glasses? Come on. <laughs> Oh, you got to get the squared off glasses. Absolutely. Uh, I, I want to see. The, I want to see the plaid suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, I'll send you a picture. Out. Trust me, I got one. That's great. Thanks, All Ray. Right. This has been Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wild, powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Follow Alan Walsh on Twitter at Walsh A. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching Agent Provocateur and hitting the subscribe button. YouTube.com/slash SDPN.